Sensory deprivation uh, increases our sense of wanting to control and uh, wanting to, um, you know, not have to um, deal with with things uh, that 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 disturb that level of peace. Uh, like sensory deprivation, if you deprive your senses of of uh, stimulation. Uh, then after after you stop resisting, you kind of surrender to that, then it's uh, very peaceful. One doesn't want to go back and be stimulated again. And so sometimes uh, in meditation retreats where people get very tranquil and they 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 want that, and, and but it doesn't integrate into the daily life that they have to live. There are stories about people going on three months retreats and getting so blissed out that that they uh, have to push them onto the coaches to get them. <laughs> So vipassana then is uh, vipassana is a word that's used, uh, I think, sometimes quite incorrectly. Uh, it's become like Zen almost, a kind of catchword for meditation. Mm-hmm. 
and people do like these words, you know, they say, I'm not a Buddhist, I'm Zen. And now they're doing the same with Vipassana. They say, I'm not a Buddhist, but I practice Vipassana. And this is uh, a common, we're in a, in a Western uh, context where oftentimes we don't want to be identified with a religion anymore. Uh, but we want to, we, we do uh, want to meditate we say we practice vipassana, <clears throat> but it means it is uh, it is the insight meditation, looking into uh, the the four noble truths. Now, the noble truths, each one is uh, there. Are three aspects to each noble truth. So you have the. Um, Twelve insights, three aspects, four noble truths, three aspects of each noble truth, there's four noble truths, that makes twelve insights. In Theravada, we're very organized. (laughs) It's neatly packaged, probably computerized. Uh, You could put it all on a computer easily. But it is it does work well because it, it, it helps to reflect. These things are easy to to remember, to memorize. And so the first noble truth as we've as I said over and over again is the truth that there is this suffering. The second insight, the second aspect is it should be understood, and the third, it has been understood. So the first you get the uh, the statement, uh, what the, what it is, there is suffering. The second aspect, you get the prescription. What do you do about suffering? You understand it. You should understand it. And then, uh, and then the third insight is, suffering has been understood. It's the it's the reflection on the practice of having investigated, having understood. And the insight is that you, there is, it has been. The second is the second noble truth, is the <coughs> truth of the causes of suffering, which are, is attachment to desire. So that's the first statement, the, the the statement of of what the problem is. There are causes, uh, the de- attachment to desire. The, the uh, second aspect of the second noble truth is uh, to uh, let go of the causes. And then the third aspect is uh, the causes have been let go of. And the third noble truth is there is cessation of suffering. There is a ceasing of suffering, niroda. And then the, the next aspect is it should be realized, and then the insight, it has been, suffering, uh, cessation has been realized. And then the fourth noble truth, there is the path, uh, the eightfold path uh, of non-suffering. This should be cultivated, and the insight, the twelfth insight, it has been cultivated. So this, this gives you a kind of a formula to use uh, and it doesn't mean um, to take it too uh, in, in, in a, 
we, we tend to take these things almost to uh, in, in a kind of fundamentalist way uh, limiting ourselves to, to maybe a, a fundamental interpretation of it. But the, the main thing is to develop mindfulness around suffering. The uh, third noble truth, the cessation of suffering, is uh, through realization. It's a, the, this word realization is important. Realizing the cessation. Uh, and so cessation is something to observe and to, to realize when things end. That's why I stated to, to be the observer of uh, the, the, the condition when it's present and then to, uh, to mentally uh, notice when it ceases or when it, when it has stopped. So that you're you're actually uh, aware of both the presence and absence of the suffering and its and its absence. So you recognize there's a ability to to realize the absence of suffering when there's no suffering. Then you have the insight into the path, which is based on a right understanding, samaditi. So then the Eightfold Path, you have Samaditi, Samasangapo, which is, uh, Samasangapo is right attitude or intention. So with right, un- right view, right understanding, Samaditi, then, that, then there's this right intention or attitude, which takes us to right speech, right action, right livelihood, which is moral, morality. Uh, and then uh, right effort, right mindfulness, right concentration. There's the eight folds, or eight factors there. That, that, and that doesn't mean that one, um, can't, you go in a sequence, but they, they operate together. Uh, when you're doing uh, intuitive, uh, when you're using intuitive awareness, then it is not a linear experience. You don't do the A and then B, but the intuitive moment can embrace A to Z. So it's a it's an inclusive uh, uh, conscious state rather than a divided one. So with your thinking mind, you can only have one thought in 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 the moment. You have to have A first, then B, then C, then D. But in an intuitive moment, everything's included. So it's it's not it's not it's not a thought, is it? It's a it's a state of being. And we can we can call it holistic, the New Age term. Uh, it it's it's not it's not uh, and because it is holistic, then. <coughs> Uh, we're not caught in in uh, attachments uh, to conventions anymore, or to positions, or to opinions. And this is an, an ineffable realization because it 
you have to see it for yourself. You can when you try to think about it, you get very confused. You know, how can you? You know, you get very uh, because the thinking mind can't cope on that level. Thinking is limited to one thought following another. And we're very much identified with our thoughts and with uh, we, we're very attached to thinking so that, that we, we, th- we think the real world is what we think it is. And uh, we have strong views about the world and what should and shouldn't be and what we are and, and that. And these views and opinions are... Uh, you know, some are very intelligent views and opinions, and 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 beca- and there's some kind of very right, righteous views and opinions, uh, very refined. Uh, they can be all, you know, views that can be quite, quite uh, practical, realistic, scientific. You know, we'll put all those 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 kind of adjectives onto it, and uh, and then we feel uh, committed to these to this this righteousness uh, and this an idealism so the the blindness that we experience from that is that we we uh, we get terribly confused because we our our emotions and our intellect and our instinctual nature are just so out of alignment one thing says this and another says that so, so you you know you you intellectually one one is one, one loves the ideal world of what should be of you know and, and the and and creating these kind of ideal situations and and figure how to make everything better and make everything right and everything beautiful everything fair and everything uh, just and on and on like that and then. And then uh, emotionally, uh, we might not, we might feel the opposite of all that. We feel we want to seek revenge. We feel uh, we want to uh, murder somebody. We feel we, 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 don't, we don't really care about what happens to, to somebody else. Uh, mainly I want to get it, I, I want to see that I'm okay. And we've got instinctual energy, the sexual drive, and survival, uh, and 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 uh, basic uh, needs for survival, like hunger. And so, so we can we when we judge the all these things from the intellect, you know, then we can we 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 get terribly confused by it. And that's why we oftentimes have see ourselves through a very criti- in a critical way because if you're someone who is altruistic uh, and uh, li- likes to think in terms of, of uh, you know what should and the fine ideals that w- the superlatives that we can create in our minds and emotionally your emotions that don't align themselves with that you feel you feel guilty you feel dirty you feel unworthy so there's a there's a kind of confusion because of the difference you know 
between the the emotional experience and the and the ideal that you're holding. And then of course you're dealing with instincts, kind of animal drives, procreation, survival of the fittest, and all this. So, you know, it, it just becomes very confusing for us. We are we get shocked sometimes when we hear about atrocities or the violence in a war, torture, or uh, how people do terrible things to each other and seem to enjoy watching others suffer in pain and and uh, uh, d- killing in cold blood, murdering babies, and and doing the most demonic acts. And we we uh, you know we, when we are in a situation where these are these kind of actions are are not appropriate, and we are. Uh, you know, living a, a life based on an ideal, we can feel very uh, uh, critical and angry and indignant by the uh, demonic forces that seem to take over human beings. But then the thing to ask is, uh, how do you know you wouldn't go demonic if the conditions were there? You know, what keeps you from going sinking to that level if your life was threatened, if you were on the level of survival uh, and and you'd had your whole family uh, uh, murdered and uh, and you were in a situation where you were just operating on that level of survival and and power and and uh, those conditions that how do you know you wouldn't commit demonic acts? I've asked myself. It's easy if you never ha- if the conditions for such actions have never come up, ne- have never manifested in your life. Uh, so to sit in judgment on it and say, oh, they're disgusting. Those people should be drawn and quartered. They should be, uh, they should, you know, they should pay off. They should, we should, we should do something to them to make them suffer like they've caused others to suffer. So then we get caught in a kind of demonic revenge. Capital punishment is like that, isn't it? He's got, you want to, you know, you want the state to commit murder. Uh, to some, someone who's who's murdered somebody in the state, and so, you know, it's a, it's an underst- I understand the emotion. I can understand revenge. Uh, and and I've certainly seen the uh, potential for violence uh, and demonic uh, um, demonic uh, actions in myself. Well, say before I meditate, I didn't see that. I, the one blinds oneself to so much, you know. And you, 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 you operate from from a different level. But as uh, as I began to really observe and 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 uh, and notice what the forces, the forces, the powerful forces that that uh, that go through this body and through consciousness, then. I began to recognize that, that 
that th- those kind of activities are possible uh, under the right, under certain, when the conditions for those, for, for those actions are there. But also, I realize that I have a strong uh, uh, commitment to, say, a moral position. So that, that uh, to me, knowing what I know now, through contemplating the way things are, contemplating the Dhamma, then I, I'd rather be killed than kill somebody. You know, my, just saving my life uh, as a, you know, on the level of survival, uh, having to murder somebody else to do it uh, doesn't interest me. Because uh, I'd rather, you know, to being killed to me is a preferable one than having to kill somebody. They're going to die anyway. <laughs> it doesn't matter when. The, the problem is, do you want that person to be... Uh, to be uh, have to be a murderer, so you, you maybe you try to convince them not to, but you don't. Uh, but I wouldn't. Uh, at least I, 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 you know, I will see if if I can carry this through the rest of my life. But, but uh, having contemplated life, seeing how you remember, how you, the, that I'd rather. I wouldn't want those kind of memories deal with. Even if I got away with it, even if I wasn't ever caught or punished um, by the state or by anyone else, and I could get away with with uh, cheating, lying, stealing, murdering, uh, and, and, and nobody would, would know, but I would know. And then this is like we would sit here the past week, think, you know what's going on in your mind. <laughs> and we don't forget. We try. To, we maybe try to and try to, uh, you know, push it out, repress. But in an intuitive awareness, then we can uh, accept all of these in, in, in as they are in the present. Both the the. Uh, idealistic intellectual ideal of what should be plus the maybe the very immature emotional reaction that we're having plus in any instinctual energies because the intuitive awareness uh, isn't isn't dividing it up it's accepting it's willing to to embrace the totality of the experience so so that uh, uh, is one way of, of contemplating the use of mindfulness. It's, it, that's why I keep saying it's not judging. It's not, not making value judgments or moral judgments around uh, the conditions that you're experiencing. But it's the ability to bring them, allow things to enter consciousness, to use consciousness as a, as a mirror for the conditioned realm. And in doing that, then we can see things as they are. We, we develop wisdom. We, we, uh, we understand suffering, its causes, and the cessation of it, and the way of non-suffering.
Now, just experiments. I remember one time having having this you know having this idea of what should be, and having an emotional feeling of that was totally in conflict with the ideal, and getting very confused because of like wanting to suppress the emotion and and uh, just you know just get rid of it because the ideal was what i wanted and then then getting caught in doubt about whether i should do that whether i should face up to the emotion uh and deal with the emotion or or and get you know caught in in, in my thinking process about what should i do with this and do with that and so I would, I thought, well, in mindfulness, intuitive awareness allows the accommodation of the whole thing. So I just accepted both the ideal and the emotional reaction. And I felt very confused at that moment. And so I just accepted that feeling of confusion and uh, just let it let let the mind be totally confused and embrace confusion and then it, then it seemed to just drop away <laughs> wasn't the problem but the uh, and and that was uh, that was quite a clear insight uh where i could uh, you know uh where the confusion of of the of the uh world and the mind and that is then seen as a as a mental object and then you reflect that that which is aware of that aware of confusion is not confused your refuge is in the awareness in that pure being pure seeing knowing of it as it is So that is a, a constant in the continuous and, and uh, relentless changingness of the conditioned realm is mindfulness. Now, the reason why I teach with uh, so much emphasis on the sound of silence as a as a means because. That does give you uh, quite a an accurate uh, ability to recognize the limits where thought ceases, where the conditioning of your mind stops. Because when you uh, tune into that whispering sound, when you hear it, it's a you're actually not thinking anymore, uh, and you're, you're th- and it's a sustainable as you get used to it. You, it's easy to sustain and to to use that as uh, something to to compose yourself with, to bring yourself into the present, which is not personal, not not uh, em- emotional, not tainted with anything. It's not, uh, it's, it, you know, that's why uh, this is to, to claim it as an attainment is, is misusing it. It's just what it is. 
But as you uh, notice that and sustain attention, then you're you're in a state of of this receptive, uh, intuitive awareness, which uh, which will embrace whatever you have, whatever is happening, whatever going on, the the mental state you're in, or the the uh, views that you're attached to. So, in terms of reflection, like I could, I could. Uh, I I used to find it very confusing because I would be attached to to uh, things I felt were very right, very important, very principled, and so. Very, uh, kind of, I think this is a, you know, this is a very strong feeling if it, uh, that I'm right, and this is the principle I've got to stand up for and protect and justice and and things like this. The the that kind of masculine tendency to uh, to be attached to principles and and ideals. And uh, and to fight for the right, to conquer the evil forces, that kind of thing. And that that uh, feeling of on, that that was you know the noble position of what a man should do, and um, to you know Saint George and the Dragon, and you know get rid of kill off the the enemy, annihilate the the bad forces. So, this sense of, of righteousness was, well, you know, I get very confused by it because uh, I, f- I, I would feel I was betraying or I was weakening or I was being wishy-washy if I wasn't completely committed to these high principles, standards and sense of being right. And and it seemed right, and and people would, uh, and, and some people admired that. You know, they, that that's really that's really what you should be it's like that, uh, an honourable man with integrity and principles and high standards, and, and you know that's you know that's what one would like to be. So so um, this. This would, uh, this attachment would also make me feel very, uh, you know, on the level of emotional experience, very uh, insecure because uh, a part of me knew that I wasn't like that. Uh, and uh, there were all these other kind of forces, desires, and, and, uh, and habit, emotional habits that, that, we're we're almost the opposite of these high principles, and so there is a tremendous resistance and fear of, say, emotional experience, afraid of of uh, being caught into the emotional world, or the psychic world, or the world of madness, of disorder, of confusion, of of nonsense, of uh, you know, just the, the whole fear of insanity or or losing it, where the 
the principled world, the righteous world, was all very neatly ordered. You know, it was it was it was perfect in its in its uh, form because it was you could you could establish it on on principles and have them numbered and and categorized and everything was neat and tidy. Then there's this uh, psychic realm used to really bother me. First I just dismissed it as a bunch of hocus pocus. And, um, and then, uh, you know, people ask me, do you believe in ghosts? I think there aren't any ghosts. And then uh, I would uh, just deny that, that whole supernatural psychic uh, realm it's a, uh, because of it just never I, I, I wasn't open to that kind of that way of thinking or I even thought it was a form of madness and then the emotional world of you know the, I found very confusing how to relate on the emotional level with somebody else because it, it frightened me to 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 get it, to have that kind of intimacy where you're exposing your weaknesses to somebody else, uh, your softness, your tenderness, that which wasn't wasn't you know clearly written out in principles and clearly defined in in righteous terms, but where your own fears and anguish and despair operated, you just didn't you tried to to uh, repress that. So what what happens? You end up being the loneliest person on the planet <laughs> because principles are not, you know, being attached to to high standards and principles and and laws and morality and and uh, ideals means that you're some that that you you lose you're not you 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 become insensitive. Because none of those things have any sensitivity to the present, do they? If you, you're attached to a high standard, that's a that's a that's an ideal. But it but ideals don't feel anything. So you, you know, they're beautiful. They're like you know, like this Buddha Rupa is an ideal, isn't it? It's, it's beautiful, but it doesn't ever feel anything. You know, it never feels the cold or the heat, or never gets hungry, never gets lonely. <laughs> well, the same is if you attach to to ideals, you 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 uh, you you lose feeling. You, your your sensitivity does is suppressed, and then you tend to get into very judgmental positions. And uh, and then you uh, and that is a form of suffering where you're you're continually being critical and passing judgment on others or on yourself. So then the uh, meditation was an opportunity to to try to break out of the straitjacket of idealism and re- and emotional repression 
And it's through mindfulness that we begin to learn how to harmonize these 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 abilities we have, because uh, having principles, ideals, and high standards and all that are, you know, that's that's a great gift we have. But as an attachment, as an identity, it only it takes us to uh, excruciating suffering. On the emotional level, if we don't have principles or standards or ideals, then then we then we just more or less get blown about by the emotions. And so you find, uh, you know, that in in a situation where there's fear and that you could kill somebody, and and or just you know you you have no no standard to work from, so you just follow the the mood or the 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 emotion of the present. That's that's one. Ex- that's the the other extreme. Or a psychic experience where we 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 experience strange phenomena and and uh, um, experiences that 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 are not based on reason, but on on uh, mysteries and and are not that are not reasonable. They're not. Uh, they they sound uh, unreal to a reasonable person, but we do have strange things happen and and coincidences and and uh, phenomena that that we can't explain that we we uh, we we think is uh, we can judge as being going crazy or going insane, hearing voices or. Or feeling strange forces, we could call paranoia or uh, schizophrenia, or or uh, we call it um, uh, psychic phenomena, sensitive, uh, psychically sensitive, and you can you can uh, try to to come to terms with it by giving it some some uh, definition or try to describe it in some way. But in terms of intuitive awareness, then it embraces the totality of all conditioned phenomena. So whether it's, it's principled, reasonable, uh, idealistic, and right, or it's emotional in, in, in all kinds of despair and and anguish and fear and and uh, greed and lust and and uh, jealousy, or it's strange experiences, unexplainable uh, psychic experiences uh, that seem like madness. One thing you can recognize is that all conditions are impermanent, and and your Positioning then is on this awareness, in the state of attention, rather than uh, becoming fascinated by the condition. Once we get fascinated, interested in the conditions, then it goes on and on and on into, you know, we get whirled away into those realms. So, in terms of psychic uh, phenomena, the Buddha encourages not to attach to it, not to take an interest in it. But to 
see it, you know, to recognize if it happens, it's, it's the way it is, but it's not to be attached to, not to be uh, uh, cultivated if you're really determined to realize the truth. So even the fear of insanity and, and uh, or madness and all that is also seen in terms of a condition that arises and ceases. So more and more, as you, as you investigate experience, then you realize there's nothing to fear. Death is, is, uh, is the ending of conditions only. Not one doesn't really die, conditions end. Uh, you have insights like this, where you, the fear of, of madness is no longer a problem, or or um, the uh, you know whether the world continues or develops and progresses or or explodes or whatever these are not these are not things that we create uh, uh, in our mind anymore we we can we if these kind of thoughts these kind of experiences happen to us they're part of the present experience, but they're no longer, uh, there's no longer an attachment to it. So that's in the simple state of pure attentiveness, where in, in the, the sound of science helps you to, to easily get into that, to, to realize that, that state, that edge. It's like a straight edge, you, kind of become, you, you get there. And you can you can stabilize yourself. The stillness it, it gives you a stillness to operate from, and and from that stillness is pure attention. And that pure attention isn't is able to recognize the what what's ever taking place, uh, emotional. Uh, psychic, intellectual, whatever, it's, it's, it's seeing the impermanent nature. It can reflect on the anicca, dukkanata of conditioned ex- uh, phenomena and experience. And as you realize the cessation of conditions, then, then, your, then your awareness, realization of the deathless, begin to uh, be, be strong. Where before, say, it was, a, it was an idea, and, uh, you know, I certainly uh, could uh, appreciate that. But the power of the conditioned realm was still so, so, uh, so real, so uh, kind of relentless as experience that you just were dealing with the, you know trying to to keep some perspective on all on all the confusion and emotional uh, uh, problems and and your all your conventional habits and and uh, fears and desires that you're, you're kind of trying to 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 not get completely overwhelmed by that. But as you keep developing and cultivating 
the way, then more and more the the uh, you 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 recognize uh, conscious experience that's quite empty, where there's no self, but there's pure awareness, pure intelligence, and where then you have, and if you trust that more and more, then you can uh, uh, deal with uh, even uh, fears of madness or psychic experiences or, or immature emotions, bad habits, the whole lot. Isn't there also a tremendous fear of, of, of losing control? When, when you have uh, fear of, of everything getting out of control, of, uh, and though like fundamentalist approaches or very principled and righteous ways of looking at everything, uh, you know, you, you can exert a measure of control on everything keep everything on the level of reason and logic and try to keep everything organized and within the margins and boundaries that you can you can you feel safe with but sometimes life is just totally out of control things go berserk and uh, then what do you do and so people then um, you know, they dread that. They, they want, you know, the security of uh, government and economy and, uh, and all the rest uh, to, to perpetuate the sense of order that you can depend on. But yet in this century, so many, you know, as, as much as uh, European civilization has worshipped this guy, these rational ideas and and perpetuated uh, such uh, altruistic forms as democracy and communism and and uh, justice and and fairness and all the rest. We're quite capable of suddenly going getting out of control and you know murdering each other, bombing and each other. Or, or Atomic bombing, uh, uh, Hiroshima or Nagasaki, or destroying Dresden, or uh, you know, killing each other uh, until there's nothing left—a kind of madness in you know, the Second World War, or the First World War, it forms of where the 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 human mind had no perspective on what they were doing. They were just caught in the fears and desires, the positions, the, their own sense of righteousness uh, that they could endlessly kind of perpetuate violent acts <coughs> and destruction uh, through not, th- through, uh, through reinforcing this ignorance rather than awakening. So now there is a time for awakening. The, this, this is a, one feels that, that if we don't awaken, then, then say the next century is uh, going to be, you know, uh, horrific. If we don't develop our humanity in a, in a, 
advance it in some way beyond just uh, trying to order the universe around us, trying to uh, trying to uh, impose systems and conventions onto the environment and onto societies through through thinking through our idealism, taking these great ideas and then trying to impose those ideas on on masses of people like communism and taking a kind of altruistic idea and then and then forcing it on everybody you end up with tyranny so communism is a, I mean I think it's a good idea not against the ideal but uh, but then if somebody forces it on you, what do you feel? You feel tyrannized by it. If I should shove it down your throat, <laughs> the ideal might be great. You're feeling uh, the, my tyranny, and the ideal is, is not recognized anymore or appreciated. So that's why in a spiritual life, it's, it's awakening, awakening, and encouraging. Like in Buddhism, the emphasis is on encouraging rather than on forcing. Where the 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 uh, to invite, to encourage, to lead, uh, uh, rather than to convert or impose or or defend or convince. Uh, people to to do uh, to keep morality or to practice meditation or be a Buddhist when we get into the position of of, of forcing these things on people then they experience it as tyranny traditional Buddhism has has uh, uh, in many ways become idealistic so, so in a country like Thailand, for example, uh, a lot of the Buddhism there either it's mixed a lot with with uh, animism or Brahmanism, various other uh, pre-Buddhist uh, religions, or just superstition, or it it gets uh, it gets uh, into a ceremonial uh, kind of Buddhist-like uh, ceremonies. Or into an academic approach where you you learn all about it and Pali language and and uh, but but the practice is not uh, is is not developed. So my experience was with people like Ajahn Chah, Buddha Dasa, because these were these were very strong forces in Thailand in this in this century that brought into the minds of the people in Thailand the, the, the actual brought the idea of practice back into their consciousness that it wasn't just a, a, a kind of a cultural uh, religion or, or just a, a ceremonial uh, type of religion but it was where, where ordinary people rice farmers or anybody who's interested uh, could could practice and realize the truth. 
So words like nibbana or nirvana get these words get get elevated to to an attained state. So people, you know, the idea of 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 re, of becoming a sotapanna or an arahant. All this is elevated into it's like an apotheosis of these of these terms. They they get held up. They they become like so high up in the sky that that we only can kind of worship them from afar. And we can't, we, we don't know what they mean in terms of, I mean, they, they seem so far above us that, that we don't really uh, see how they apply to anything we can do. So you get the idea that, well, maybe in this lifetime, the best we can do is to just make a lot of merit, do good works, keep, uh, keep the moral precepts and hope in the next lifetime we might be, uh, through our goodness, through our collection of virtues, be able to be that high up, uh, to reach for those stars uh, in the sky. But, uh, and this, is, this happens in spite of the very obviousness of the, of the Buddha Dhamma as the middle way. And the the essential teaching based not based on uh, on a on a on a high ideal, but on the the banal experience of suffering. You know, so it's it's not uh, it's it's uh, the Buddha's teaching, and, and then when he taught Dhamma, he was teaching about what is quite ordinary. And within, within our human experience that we can relate to, every single one of us can relate to suffering. So then, uh, and, but then you call it a noble truth, so then we might worship the noble truths, like writing them, putting them on a gold frame in the shrine. Noble truths. But the practice of meditation is, you know, the Buddha doesn't want us to worship uh, something in a picture frame, no matter how nicely framed it might be. But the, the, it, it, to take that and, uh, and use it for reflection, to investigate. So in, in Buddhism you have these words a lot like investigate, examine, look into. It's an invitation to, to use your, your intelligence and your abilities to, to look into things, to examine. It's not, you, you can't be excommunicated from Buddhism. So you can question, you can, uh, you can doubt, you can <coughs> Uh, contemplate. You can look at things from different angles. There's not a kind of orthodoxy that this is the right, only right interpretation, uh, what I say or uh, my view. But there's there's a tremendous uh, a, an invitation to really uh, really uh, go for it. Look into it. Look at it from different angles. See. And, and use your mind. These are 
the mind is a universal rather than just a kind of rigid position that go that that gets stuck in a particular uh, and gets stuck on an angle, uh, one angle alone. So these, when when Ajahn Chah would talk about nibbana, was the realization of non-attachment where before that Nibbana is a higher state of attainment that made it you know like it, it had it, it had an ethereal quality uh, that that uh, may and, and you then you'd say who has realized Nibbana and it was so high and who, who can realize Nibbana these days it's uh, the day uh, you'd hear things like days of the arahants are over there are no more arahants or if people would say things like this uh, making statements like that uh, when they didn't even know what they're talking about so suffering is you know still exists now and and uh, and that it it's, it can be understood and the causes uh, can be let go of and the cessation of it can be realized and the way of non-suffering can be cultivated. This, uh, when you when you realize that and cultivate, then that is, uh, you know, the, for one thing, nibbana is real is is a is realized through non-grasping when you're aware of of non-grasping when you realize non-grasping of things is like this or anatta, no self Uh, you have to recognize what self is before you can realize non-self it's uh, uh, it's not not a, it's not a doctrine that you, you believe in, in, like Hindus believe in, a, in the Atman, Buddhists believe in anatta, anatman. And what's the difference between Hinduism and Buddhism? Buddh- Hindus believe in an Atman and Buddhists, we don't have anything to do with the Atman. Hindus believe in Atman. And then Atman becomes something that, you know, is you know, nobody knows what it means anymore. They just, <laughs> they just think we don't believe in it. Or like God. <laughs> so, you know, don't, it's not the thing that, you know, I'm going to realize Nibbana either. But, but these are words pointing to, uh, you know, that they're, they're not meant to be, to put the uh, raised up in, and worshipped, uh, as if they, as if they were states of attainment that that were way beyond our abilities. Because the Buddha was pointing to uh, the here and now, and pointing to the escape and the from from delusion here and now. And and it's a timeless teaching. So it's not like in Buddha's time they could do it, but now we're so we're such a mess. We're so screwed up, modern Europeans, we couldn't possibly do it. Or 
the age of Buddhas is over, these kind of statements people make. Don't believe it. You know, if you if you believe it, then that's how you're going to then you've committed yourself to an a, a, an age without Buddhas. And that's how you perceive it. But if you if you if you stop uh, making problems o- on that level and begin to really uh, investigate experience using your ability to reflect and to listen, to be present, to to know what's going on just inside you, the, your own peculiar, unique conditions. You don't have to know what, what I'm thinking or what somebody else is thinking. But what, what, even if you're thinking uh, maniacal thoughts, to know that those are Nietzsche Dukkanata is wisdom. And also non-attachment, more and more. You, you don't attach to the to the conditions you're experiencing, because you know, you, you know the uh, through the inside realization of the third noble truth that you don't need to attach. There's no point in in attaching, uh, because that that basic uh, delusion is no has has been penetrated. The desu- delusion based on desire. The three kinds of desire. The uh, you know just so you you feel when when you leave this retreat that you can pursue this this way. It's not you know it's not something that that uh, is only for uh, an ideal situation such as this. But you'll find it does as you as you you know you can work with experience. It, and you're not going when you go home. Maybe you won't get. You know, you have to deal with uh, a, a lot more, say, maybe demands and difficult situations, and having to relate to people and and problems with the family or problems in the office or whatever. But don't forget the sound of silence. Learn to. <laughs> To uh, you can find uh, uh, you can find that a way of of uh, of not just being continually reactive to the to the impingement on you and the and the demands and the confusion around you. And as you uh, realize the value of that, then then you you can deal. You can cope with the with the conditions of your life as best you can. You realize that some some things we just have to accept, other things you can make better, other things uh, you know, just aren't worth giving that much attention to. You're much more you know, you're much more aware of what what's worthwhile and what what is a waste of time as you have perspective and and the space then is isn't rejecting any of that, but in terms of having to 
push it all away and run away from it, but in finding that place in you where you're not. You're, there's a stillness and a silence that you can that you that you can uh, rest in, and you're not just uh, madly swimming around in the with the uh, conditions that just wear you down and uh, make your life into uh, a totally unpleasant uh, experience. the world weariness of seeing the, 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 the nature of conditioned phenomena is, is impermanent. And, and that takes in everything from, you know, from the best that the world has to offer, from the best and the brightest and the mightiest and the most wonderful conditions that, that we can experience, doesn't mean that they're not the best writers, but it means we we see them in terms of what they really are, and therefore we we lose our fascination, the kind of immediate kind of blinding fascination that we might feel for many things in the world if we if we've never contemplated the nature of conditioned phenomena. So it gives like a maturing of the mind. You're the the game, the foolish games of a society, the the accepted delusions of of a, of a culture and all that are no longer, you know, they're no longer influencing you. You can see through the the uh, the, the the deluded assumptions of your own uh, situation or your own. Uh, family or your own uh, ethnic group, which doesn't mean that you you judge, but you no longer you no longer caught into that into those basic delusions that that everyone else is uh, sub- subscribing to. So it is a way you know this benefits everyone. The more we awaken and and uh, and understand things as they are, the, then that is, has a beneficial effect for everyone, for all of us. Because otherwise, it is just the blind eating the blind, it is perpetuating delusion and selfishness and all the rest. As we, if we, if we still operate in those ways and make no effort to transcend and see through the world. So that's enough for this evening.